Welcome to another episode of the AM Broadcast and today we are talking to Iman, training to be a teacher currently. Um, so over to you if you'd like to introduce yourself a bit, talk about what you've been up to recently. I am a philosophy graduate. I was in Hong Kong over the summer learning Mandarin and now I've just started a teaching job which I'm really enjoying but it is hard, it is hard and getting used to life as a real adult, full-time, council tax and things, it's hard. <laughs> so how was it uh, the training overseas? Like, Because you haven't done anything like that before. Um, what did you learn out there? What did you learn about the city, the country, the people? What can you tell us? Hong Kong was beautiful. I thought it was really interesting. So I lived out for university all three years um, even though I went to university in London and it was interesting that I was going to be working in my in the borough that I grew up in but before that spending the summer like the furthest I've ever been from family and it was an opportunity that my university had kind of offered me which is advice I'd give to anyone is seek out opportunities with any institution you're with higher education further education or anything like that because, yeah, yeah, I got to cross a continent um, on the university's dime, which was amazing. <laughs> um, it was a culture shock. It's the first time I've ever been to Asia. Um, loads of experiences that I'm happy to get into. What was your biggest experience out there? What would you say the most memorable experience was? It's obviously got to be people taking pictures or people singing The Lion King to my friend who had braids. So let's just um, get this one out of the way for people who cannot see you, obviously. You are of African descent. That um, is correct. Yes, so um, what happened? Just tell me what happened. Just ma- <laughs> just micros, just micros and macros. <laughs> my Mand- So I went there and learned Mandarin at an international summer school and... My Mandarin teacher would confuse me with another girl in my class who, to clarify further, I'm of East African descent and I'm also quite light-skinned. My friend, she is of West African descent and she is darker-skinned and had braids, whereas I had a hijab. So she confused us and just straight up, the teacher confused us and straight up said to my friend, well, which one are you? Oh. And I was like, oi. And then I, my friend had said something correct because she had studied Mandarin before I had not. Yeah. She had said something correct and the Mandarin teacher looked me dead in the eye and smiled and nodded at me and I said to my friend, look babes, if... Is she blind or something? Like, can't she not see you that you guys are talking? Like, who's talking? No, she wasn't looking and that... I I can't... I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can't speak to the rationale behind the profiling. So someone else says something and then she says, well done to you. Yeah. So I said to my friend, if wow. if you get a crap grade, it's because it was meant for me. So don't take it to heart. Because I was like a beginner. So basically they chose like who, who to like prop up and who to put down. Because someone else is clearly saying something and then you're the one who's getting... Credit for <laughs> it. It's a... It's a you know what? It's a new frontier of racism. And I remember someone at university tried to debate with me as to whether that counts as racism because it's the it's not the old school kind of mean kind. And I'm like, 
but it's a very and someone else also asked like do you see that as someone said is that racist or orientalist and i'm like that is a misuse of the word first of all mm. second of all it is racist in my opinion because mm. you're treating people like zoo animals like a fascinating creature and we're in an era of technology where it's not like you are completely isolated from people of color but i haven't seen someone like you like i'm fascinated mm. that's all right it's, it's... there's there's all there's all with things and i get yeah. it when you're interacting with different people it's you, I, I, there's an element of it that i could appreciate but for mm. me i'm like also that was quite a like i expected that more in very like rural bits so we went to a fishing village and i wasn't surprised there that that was happening but down in the city i'm like you have jp morgan you have all these like international banks and stuff were like they, that were there black people there apart from you guys there were there were two so we went on a path so in lantu island the wisdom path and we saw two black guys from america did you from did you nod and wink a hundred percent we were like hey and started speaking ones. to them i was so happy i was so excited it's the same thing that happened in poland i saw no sounds like get out or one of them hundred a hundred anytime i've been to a country where it's within the within the minority i'm like Whenever I see, I saw a hijabi in Poland. I was like, I saw, I went, we went to an Indian restaurant when me and my cousin were in Krakow and we saw brown people there. Like the, the, most of the team were Polish, but we saw brown people, like the head chef was a brown guy. And I was just like, but, but this is, ex and maybe I'm, I, I'm a bit odd because I'm finding that exciting and stuff like that, but I, I, I can appreciate what's new or different to people, but I kind of saw some of this coming because on the plane, on the way there, mm. like half the plane who were heading to China because that was my second stop, were watching Black Panther. And I'm like, I'm surprised no one asked me to say what kind of forever <laughs> or my friend who had braids in or just did. Yeah, but the thing is like, it's, it's been years of like, I don't know, migration, people move in different places. Mm. Like, it's 2019, like, that shouldn't really exist. Mm. I understand people don't want to... Like, it's America. America, it's like America. America, people don't want to move from there. So they move from state to state, yeah? But they don't understand the nuances of different... Like, for example, the UK, people in America or Canada have started to understand UK slang or UK culture or London culture. It the Atlantic. Yeah. So, like, those kinds of things... Are happening while at the same time certain places they just want to be separate and closed off homogenized so, yeah i don't know I, I don't know if it's their culture or the way people are or the way people think mm. i don't know what it is i don't know what to pinpoint it on yeah and i, I don't want to blend everyone into that because I, there's internal diversity wherever you was go. it everyone or was it just certain people that were doing no it? and it wasn't i i think i was kind of skeptical it wasn't as common which was quite nice like i thought it'd be every, now every and then. time it was every now and then so mm. we would have at least a good few days or at least a week before that kind of happened and mm. i believe i got off quite lightly mm. because my friend i think there was less of a fascination with skin cut hair was really the thing and because i wear a hijab there wasn't really anything to touch yeah. um other than one waitress but that's something else um, so she touched your hijab yeah so but she i think... just went like this like yeah patted it. yeah and then what did you do i just froze and looked like at my friend another friend who's muslim and was like what's going on here yeah yeah wow, wow. and your friend what did you say 
everyone just kept touching it or being like oh wow where are you from and she said new zealand and i and i and they asked me and i said london <laughs> imagine she said china <laughs> <laughs> imagine she, she starts speaking mandarin i really wanted her to do that where that would have just does she speak mandarin well, she did a semester properly. of not fluent flu actually very good mandarin to be fair very very good mandarin mm. So she just said something rude in Mandarin, like we didn't learn any rude things. Oh, Very yeah. polite language. Or just uppercut them more. But then that whole Hong Kong thing was happening, so uh, you don't wanna. See, everyone thinks. So I got so many messages like, mm. "Are you okay?" The army surrounding people, and I don't know whether it's because the university we were at was this bubble, but mm. we, like, the only protest that I witnessed was near Victoria Harbour. Mm. Um, where we watched the light show between um, two cities, mm. uh, not Victoria Harbour, whatever, the water between two islands in Hong Kong. Mm. And it was near the Astronomy Museum and people were shining lasers because the day before, I think someone who was asthmatic wow. got arrested and was kind of violently apprehended and kept saying, I can't breathe, I can't Did breathe. I don't think he died. He was put in jail. Wow. And... Um, they had arrested him saying that he was using a laser pointer as a weapon. So everyone bought lasers. The next day, within 24 hours, this protest was organised and they were shining lasers. They had a projector on the Astronomy Museum where this incident took place. Everything's a weapon nowadays. Like, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like a pen, a compass, protractor. <laughs> Any, anything to criminalise people who are not in line with what, Anyway, mm. so the and the projector was kind of saying F the police or free Hong Kong and different different sentiments. Mm. Um, and they really got behind. So firefighters were there and they were clapping and cheering. And the only reason the firefighters were there was because some people were firing lasers at trees and smoke was coming out of them. So just to ensure safety. Yeah. But police, the, the, this was a process where there wasn't police presence. Mm. And, and I kind of got the impression that things start to escalate once there is police presence. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was something that really... That dies down when, when people are... Yeah, and it kind of seemed embedded in the routine. Like, after work, because that was kind of a business district, after work, people would attend a protest yeah, yeah. and go home. And You kind of got this impression you were going to say, sorry. I oh, I kind of... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I kind of got this impression that that was embedded a bit into the kind of everyday environment. Um... And but do you think, like, nowadays... Um... Like, it didn't seem any different to the UK holding a march against yeah, yeah. racism or police brutality. But the thing is, if, do you think news nowadays pro projects this idea of if one thing is happening and all eyes are on that one thing, that means that's happening everywhere mm. in the country? I think, personally, that's the problem with the media nowadays. They just focus on whatever's going on in mm. a specific country and then they just hype it up. Oh, 100%. I was kind of worried myself. I was just thinking like, oh, what's happening? What's happening? Yeah. No, I got a lot of messages from friends and they were telling me, oh, but this is happening, but this is happening. And I was like, we were near a place called Chatin that had caught fire. And I don't, again, I don't know whether this is like the tourism bubble, but we went into Chatin the next day for like Mackey's and there wasn't a sense that some kind of disaster or event had kind of occurred there mm. it like not to not to say that bad things were not happening there but mm. yeah like 
I, I went at a really interesting and kind of landmark time, but I do think sometimes things were sensationalized to kind of incentive perpetuate an, a narrative a narrative that i don't know how much i i think there's i think there's more complexity than people want to give credit mm. to the situation and matter and yeah mm. um be interesting to see the developments that happen and i really hope that people remain safe um yeah what was I going to say? Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about is how is the culture there? By that I mean, forget the racism, forget the protests, separate away from all of that. How would you explain to someone who hasn't been what it's like? Like, I think beautiful, really. I think very... There are a lot of places that are very calming. We went to Buddhist kind of temples. We... I like it's a very interesting culture and had very very nice nice people I think I had a range of experiences and my my Li Laosha which is Liu Laosha which is a Mandarin teacher was just a sweet sweet man like just very adorable and I think it was like one of my favorite things that he did was he would pretend to be a Chinese man mm-hmm. in um, the UK or anywhere abroad and and be like, hello, my name is Jack and wait for one of us to say Ni Hauma. So we'd be like, oh, you speak Chinese too. And then he'd be like, oh, oh, Ni Hauma, Ni Hauma. And he was just very enthusiastic and he gave us bookmarks with our Chinese name on it. And I was like, he is a babe and I think it's yeah, very, 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 very sweet people. Um What's your Chinese name? Iman. <laughs> Iman eh? Yeah, mine didn't change that much. And I it... thought it was gonna be like NG or something like no. that. <laughs> XY or They were like, Do you wanna keep so they were like, Do you wanna keep and if it was my my son oh no, I won't say my son and I'll keep myself anonymous. Yeah. But yeah, it was Iman. Eh? That's how they pronounce it. But how it's written is interesting. And apparently the characters, the first part represents um, greatness. The second part represents grace or elegance. And I'm like, that's very cute. <clears throat> I'm not sure about that. But anyway, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just joking. But yeah. Um, so paint a picture in terms of like visualize it. Like mountains. Oh, the mountains. So we were on a campus that was absolutely massive like it would take 40 minutes to get to our class if we walked and we were on a hill Mm. and we had incredible it was just mountains everywhere it was skyscrapers everywhere it was green humid humid but green felt rainforesty like someone analogized it to costa rica we walked through a forest to get to a kebab shop on campus like hong kong was just an experience and a landscape that being in london i did not experience like it was incredible very bloody hot how, but how does it rate compared to all the places you've been i still love new york the most um, i'm a classic that's my favorite i think that's my favorite place i never really asked you about that no what I, no i'm joking um no i i i love i loved hong kong and i would love to see more of asia i think we should do like once you've traveled i've traveled a lot more mm-hmm. we'll do, uh, do like a travel guide like yeah. in terms of like what places what you good. recommend yeah, yeah. what you recommend like a whole, on like a whole travel episode basically 100 percent. i think it's a good enough segue from that to get to what you do so how how 
how is it being a teacher? Like, <laughs> give me some of the juicy gossip, some of the stories, some of the... <laughs> being a teacher, <laughs> it's so weird because it just make because I, 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 I had a thought to think about it a few days ago. It's so weird that it's a career that, how do I explain it? Everyone that is a teacher has a teacher and I get it for other careers like everyone who is a doctor has a doctor mm. but it's so weird when you look at yourself in that profession and be like I like I cannot believe my teachers are like that mm. so like there's a home me and just certain things like doing behavior management I'm like what <laughs> what is this me I'm 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 like yelling not even I don't yell at kids but I'm like talking very assertively and being, I want more from you. I want more behavior, more effort. I refuse to argue and kind of being assertive. And I'm like, I'm such an unserious candidate and being responsible. Like I had to meet with parents last week and Did you I want was to laugh? Yeah, I was like, how am I telling you about your child? I'm not bored child. Like, you should be like, oh, I can't believe I'm a teacher. <laughs> uh, literally. And just having... Going from being a student to actually think last yeah, week. Yeah, it's so... And having responsibilities and, you know, being a role model. And also, I teach in the same area. So I get the bus and I see some of my pupils en route. And they'll be like, hi, miss. And I'll be like, Hello. And I have my headphones in because I'm not ready to socialise with kids. Um, but they'll... So another school were spitballing people. And we were kind of told if people from our school, because they're wearing our uniform, if they do not represent us well in the local community, we can sanction them the way that we sanction them in school. Yeah, and I was cool. like, it's all over for you kids. Like, <laughs> But they, they are... They Isn't are... that a bit too much though? Like you're getting into too much into their lives. Like inside of school outside i remember going to school and whatever i did in school stayed in school unless i did something major and then like they call my parents i think it's nipping it in the bud because where's the line between okay you're just doing this silly thing on the bus to Mm. oh you're beefing and fighting other especially in our area that has a lot of schools Mm. you don't want it to escalate and you don't want a school rivalry and you don't want the other kind of problems it links to and again it is you don't want to give the school a a bad name or you're wearing the uniform and to give off an impression that our young people aren't these wonderful citizens, which we where, see that side. We want the community to see that side of them. Where do you draw the line of, like, kids being kids? Because, like, for example, I'll give you a story. I was on a bus. I was going to say this for another episode, but I, I'm on the bus and as a kid... He's in uniform and he seems a bit more timid timid and another kid seems a bit more like he looks like he's lost a lot i don't know how to explain it he just looks like really upset he's not upset as in sad but like you can see coldness in him so they're arguing that like, i'm gonna fight you i'm gonna fight you back and forth and then i just see this i just look over to this kid and he stares at me blankly like you know when you feel like you're about to fight someone he looked at me like that and i'm thinking you're in your seven year eight year nine whatever i'm like an old man like i'm grown <laughs> like i don't want to fight a kid if i fight a kid i lose you going to I, prison I lose either way yeah you do you really i can do. lose in three ways i can lose whether i beat him up and then i go 
I get in trouble. Yeah. He beats me up, which is I look bad. Yeah. All three nowadays kids are carrying knives with them, so you never know. Mm. And on to my point, he pulled out his phone after they relaxed their issues, and he goes on his Instagram or Snapchat or I don't know, but he's showing them a video, and in this video is an older teenager, and he's like, "This is what they see as comedy nowadays." It's like, "Oh, look at this, look at this," showing him. The kid pulls out a knife off a table in his back garden and he's showing him, this is a small knife. I don't know what he's saying because I have my headphones on. Then he takes out a butcher's knife off that same table. Then he takes out a samurai sword off that table. And I'm thinking, why is that funny? Like, especially with what's going on nowadays. Why is that funny? Why is that hilarious? Mm. Like, people are dying. Like, there's a 10-year-old that Mm. stabbed someone. Mm. And I don't know if the person's alive or dead. Mm. Like, from what I'm hearing, maybe he's dead or she's dead at the, mm. at the station. So, there's stories like this every single day. Like, mm. someone's been stabbed, someone's been murdered. Like, mm. why is that funny? And why does a kid find that funny? Mm. You understand? If I, if that was an adult and he had, he'd had issues and had problems and he's a bit deranged or whatever and he finds that funny, cool. But, and th- there's ways of sort- sorting that out with mental health, with... Just health in, as, a, as a whole, yeah? But how do you sort out a kid who's 10, 11, 12 and he's finding this funny? Like... I think I think this does feed into an idea of safeguarding, which is, I think, the most important and fundamental thing. Where do you get to them? Where do you... At what stage education, do you get to them? But, that, but that's my point, and this is why... Sometimes it seems so punitive and like we're not allowing children to be children, mm. but it, it it is a sense of guardianship. It is a sense of protect protecting their youth and a lot of things are in place with that intent in mind and a lot of what schools are trying to do is not corrupt them because that's kind of what that's saying to me is that in some way or another this this child has been corrupted such that their perception of the world's distorted that they find things like that that's funny and i don't think kids can make the connection between what they think is harmless banter and what is a real life kind of visceral issue Mm. and depending on the demographics it does become particularly disturbing especially if they do grow up in our in our in our community because Mm. it's like you are you have that much proximity to our wide societal problems Mm. like kids killing kids why why would that in any way be entertaining Mm. especially if you're in an environment where so many of our children have known someone or have been involved in extreme violent crime um i've been a victim as well or have been a victim yeah Mm. and i think that's where we have a really important safeguarding job Mm. to ensure that we, we that we protect them whilst they're under their care, that we provide outlets for them. So without giving too much away, the school that I work at, we do provide opportunities um, for a range of enrichment, enriching activities um, until five o'clock because that's a good, especially for a latchkey kid, those are important kind of hours. So a latchkey kid's a kid, let's say, for example, parents are out working and, you know, they, they... have to be alone in those kind of hours and we've become more concerned with more contextual issues with safeguarding so you know less to do with family or home life and more to do with the area you live in or Mm. the your surroundings effectively and we um pay pay more attention to that and try to do as much as we kind of 
can to ensure that you have outlets and things speak to you mm. that um that school provides you or education provides you a sense of community that you that we hope you don't seek in Gangs. criminal networks yeah. yeah precisely um but that's it's such a complex issue and i am coming at it with nuance, a very that is a nuanced way of uh dealing with it and prior mm. to you explaining it to me i didn't really i was thinking oh where'd you draw the line but like i kind of agree like mm. that teachers stepping in, in a bit more i agree mm. but you have to toe the line Hundred percent, and you don't want to be overly involved, and that's protecting both teachers and students. That you don't want to be overly, because at the end of the day, we're not we're not social workers, we're educators, and we are there to. It's like everyone has to be a social worker. Sorry to cut you off, but um, in the sense of like even hospitals, like mm-hmm. when they pull up, when an ambulance pulls to a, pulls up to a place. They sometimes have to worry about, oh, this person's homeless. It's a social issue, but we don't have any social care. Mm. They intersect. They 100%. So, so the, there is an expanding role. Even even doctors. I was having a conversation with my friend who's a med student. and Because I did my dissertation on, the, on expanding the borders of medical obligations. But mine was specifically regarding sports medicine. Mm. Um, and he kind of came at it from a very general perspective saying well we do have this kind of societal responsibility or social responsibility within all of our fields even if it's not explicitly social work for example doctors who are involved with providing evidence or testimony for so social workers and dwp um and helping people ensure that their rights and needs are met because we have a an awful problem like such i don't think people realize how violent a system of austerity is Mm. such that it is regardless of what you think about the un they've even regarded what's happening in the united kingdom as 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 a human rights violation against disabled people Mm. um so back to my point about i think we we a lot of our roles have kind of expanded in the nature of their obligations. So doctors regarding, you know, evalu- homelessness, evaluating deprivation and, you know, when they're provide understanding the intricacies of applying for certain um, benefits and the level of evidence that they need to provide or medical opinion or signing off people as fit to work. Um, perhaps that's always been a fabric of it, but it's become more pertinent as social dynamics have changed like what a post austerity what an austerity britain um looks like um and that's kind of happening up and down the country like one of the really good things that i was talking to my friends about is that our school because we deal with a lot of demographics like that we provide free breakfast for pupils who have free school meals and a free bagel for everyone mm. um understanding that's that really good. that's really good and understanding that if politically or this or there there aren't formal structures in place to safeguard them mm. that whilst they're under their care why can't we make those provisions like being fed because it also feeds into our fundamental duty we they can't make the most of their education can't pay attention if you're hungry no Mm. but yeah um so tell me about your experiences like what's what's been like the highlight like 
How have kids responded to you? What, uh... Kids, are, kids, kids are hilarious, and I knew that I always wanted to work with young people because adults don't interest me nearly as much. Kids are funny, and they are intelligent, and they're bright, and they're insightful. Mm. This was so there was a lesson on Christianity and how could this kid because of how it was explained in the lesson, the kid legitimately I don't know whether he was being silly or just legitimately asking, he was like he was like, Sir, to a colleague of mine, is the Bible like God's diary? And then another kid was like, um there's so many things. There's so many things. Um how did and they come up with this stuff? I, I, their, their minds just work in a very interesting, interesting way. Mm. And in, and sometimes I'm kind of like, I, do, I am from ends, I am, you know, I am young. And I'll, you're like, certain sound, things will sound, slip. You don't sound like it. Like, I sound people, posh. People listen to this, they're like, who's this white girl talking about? I'm like, doing it by force. <laughs> but it's so upsetting. Whenever if someone thought that, I, someone at my old workplace thought that I lived in Chelsea. And I was like, I am born and bred in Northwest London and not like Camden. Mm. Not like Camden. Mm. I think I. <laughs> like, so you're saying um, you're, you're from there? Um, yeah. So, but then I said, I actually need to pattern myself because at one point I said to a kid, "Say, Walla, you have not got a detention today," and he was like, "Walla, I don't have a detention." Miss. And I was like, "Open." But they like that. Kids like that. Kids I know, like... but then I, I want to set the professional yeah. boundary. Yeah. But then at the same time, I do want to be like, I am human. Mm. Um, you will say some funny things, and you will be a bit uh, like the kids in the sense of their slang or their. Because I am a kid, and yeah, like slang hasn't changed that much. They still say things that I'm like. One one kid said to me at my uh, school I did my placement at. I said, "Oh, don't worry, that's calm," and it just slipped out my mouth. Because they were like, you have to use um, professional lexicon. And I'm like, completely understand that. We're trying to teach them how to be both culturally literate, but also articulate. Mm. So fairs. And, uh, and um, but the kid was just like, miss, what do you know about calm? And this was the same class that thought I was alive when the sound of music was made. Oh my They thought days. they were learning the Korean War and thought that I was alive to see the Cold War. I was like, mate, I wasn't even. My eldest brother wasn't even alive for like the Berlin Wall falling, which is towards the end of the Cold War. We, it's not our era. And I was, I just got so frustrated. I was like, how? Do, I think if anything's frustrated me, it's nothing you think. It's it's genuinely kids thinking that I'm middle aged, and I was just like, <laughs> I don't even think my mum was alive when the sound of music was was made. So I just told because that wasn't my like permanent school. I just told them I'm 21, and they were like, oh, Miss, you're young, and I'm like, I'm still a serious candidate. I'm still going to teach, mm. and. Some of them are like, also, Miss, you look like Amber from Love Island. I'm like, and inside, I'm like, carry on with your task. And on the inside, I'm like, hey, mad thing. Um, <laughs> but no, ki- kids are great and kids are funny and kids will do silly things. Um, yeah. And some of them, they know it, they know exactly what to say. Like, there's some of them are so charming. So when they get into trouble, they're like, Hey, miss, let's let's talk. Let's talk about this like adults. Let's go for a walk. We'll have a chat. And this was a kid who's regularly in detention. And I said, why why have you gotten this detention? And told me everything for more and kind of said, and this is why. And we do this so we could be a better learner. And I was just like, so why aren't you doing it? 
but this so-and-so was doing this, so-and-so was doing that. And I'm like, so you were very articulate before then, but now you want to be... Um, but I feel really bad. A lot of kids don't like sanctions, mm. and I... They have talent, they're charismatic, they're unique, but it's just difficult getting them to... It's helping them focus. mature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's helping them mature but without and losing focus. The, without losing their, their... Spark. Yeah, or their uniqueness, or their... their yeah. Because that's the thing is that, timing. Yeah, that's the thing is that I don't want them to think that those traits are bad qualities. It's just more things have a time and place and there's times where we need to be serious and there's times where we can be a bit silly and you can then, just be a kid. But then that's that's difficult for anyone who doesn't understand the area or mm. the, the nuances or the culture. Yeah. The culture. Uh, reason being... Um, Tell me that story, like, when you went to class and they were waiting for you. Like, it's as if they were waiting for a superhero to come in. Because they were Somali, you were Somali, and they were waiting for you. Oh, that was... That was... Oh, this is... If anything has been my highlight of teaching, and I've worked with young people throughout my entire time at university, this was a top highlight. So, apparently, my first week there... I was on lunch duty and they had gone to my line manager and were like, sir, where's, where's, um, Miss so-and-so? Um, I heard she's going to be, is she going to be our teacher? I heard there's a Somali teacher in the school. And it was just kind of seeing how important it is. The other thing without giving too much away again, is that what was really impressive is that this school has a lot of black members of staff that are in senior leadership. Mm. And I hadn't really seen that in schools, even across London, that were senior leadership. I had seen perhaps middle leaders, I had seen teachers, learning assistants, and they're all an integral part of a school running and doing the best it can. Mm. But there were some schools you just went into, or some industries where the only people that were that were of colour or that were of a different background were um, cleaning staff or delivery people. And again, mad mad respect for anyone's grind, but, you know, just having a thing to aspire to and kind of, you know, when I went to school, having an English teacher who's a hijabi, who's vivacious, thank you, (laughs) who's vivacious, who's, you know, outgoing and just taught me so much and made me such a culturally literate person like and build up like a lifelong love of so many different things um like weathering heights for example shout out miss i won't i won't bait her out but you but if you know you know she's amazing um so kind of being able to have the opportunity to be that for a young person like again at my placement school somebody else said to me i mentioned that i'm dyslexic and they were like that's so good you're a teacher miss and kind of that's sick kind of showing them that things that seem like barriers don't have to be this kind of lifetime. And things are, like, I I am very fortunate that my dyslexia hasn't been linked to academic performance too heavily. Um, But I think that is the best or the greatest kind of honour that I could have is to come from where I come from, to come from the area that I come from. And with all the challenges. Yeah, and have that kind of insight um that you can pass on with them because yeah there's people who don't understand and show what the, they don't yeah. understand cultural differences yeah and they're teachers and they say some of the weirdest stuff like 100 100 put you down 100 100 we, we, we uh, 
Like some of the school experiences, I got told that my high school was a really diverse um, high school. And I said, all of senior leadership is white. Middle leaders, okay. Indian. And there was a lot of institutional kind of biases that were built on model minority stereotypes, like Indians are intelligent and black people are not. And that behavior is linked. Like some of the most under... based on your your effort it's not just based on your effort like yeah you Mm. put in effort but at the end of the day it's not just based on like for example uh it's also privilege it's also like like some of our attainment at my old school was accounted for the fact that we had very middle class people whose parents just didn't send them to private schools Mm. and got the benefit of being able to say that they are at a state school and performing outstanding why is that they have tutors Mm. why is that their only focus is um some people have a leg academics. up some people have a leg up some basically. people have a leg up even within which is why um there was someone who i like watched their youtuber they're like i'll get excited about the rate of cambridge admissions going up when it's fsm people and i'm like yeah because this narrative of social mobility will link to factors like oh where you went to school without considering further nuances and intersections and challenges like the kids at my school who can't attend too often because they are young carers or people who work part-time jobs whilst doing their A-levels as opposed to people who are being tutored, um, who are being tutored um, after school. Mm. So I think, yeah, the fact that I could be part of something which is giving cultural capital and a sense of the world Mm. feeling bigger and showing them that, you know where you start doesn't have to be where you end and returning to the earlier part of my um podcast where i said i got to go to hong kong like that was never an opportunity that was available as a kid but to end up in a position where something like that's possible Mm. i really want that for the kids that i work with or Mm. something like that that's really good so we're just going to end this with a quick fire questions so a couple quick fire questions um one of them being what is your greatest fear It's quick fire. <laughs> Sorry. Um, greatest fear. Falling. What is your greatest accomplishment? My mum seeing me graduate. What is the funniest thing that you've experienced? <laughs> in, a, in a couple of words. I've, ooh, I've not experienced it, but it's what I got told. But... Um, a colleague touching a black woman's braids and saying it's so bad <laughs> my favorite song is pascal mm. i've try, been laughing at that since try, yesterday try to say it without laughing come on man. <laughs> so i heard that somebody touched their colleague's <laughs> braids um <laughs> And said, do you know Fuska is my favourite song? By Tracy Chapman. <laughs> okay. Um, and what do you hope to achieve? That's just an open question. It could be anything. Contentment. That's good. That's really good. And lastly... Any thought or any um, last words for someone who wants to 
do what you're doing or do something similar uh, what advice would you give to someone uh, who wants to get in a better position than what they are right now know what you want know what you not, not even necessarily know what you want have some kind of vision for something or a vision for greatness or what that might look like mm. evaluate what has led you up to the situation you are in now and talk to people and get advice on what your next move could be and just try a bunch of things and see what takes your fancy um i know that's not available to anyone based on their circumstances but i think try something new small or big okay so thank you for coming you're welcome that's been another episode of the AM broadcast with iman and hopefully more um, be sure to like, share, listen on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and join the conversation on Twitter at Join AM Broadcast.